0: I got friends, only one to business. I got expenses, expensive. I got expenses, i been work. And I've been shutting Welcome to Put That Copy Down. There's the Great Sales Podcaster for Closure. My name is Kevin Hill welcome to an exciting hour that we have i have my special guest co-host with me and then another special guest coming in in about 20 25 minutes and we have a lot of ground to cover uh, let me introduce chris jolly once again the freight coach joining me once again there on his hat you can read it if you can see it on the screen it's too far away for me to read it but uh, i'm sure a lot of people out there can read it how are you doing today chris I'm,
1: I'm doing great. I will refrain from doing the Wayne's World extreme close up right there just to put my videos <laughs> up in front of it.
0: <laughs> I'm doing a, good,
1: Kevin. I'm good. I was saying, I'm, I'm doing good. I'm looking forward to today's episode and, and you know, just bringing, bringing the heat like
0: always. Bringing the heat. Bringing yeah. the heat. And Wayne's World, Air- that there was a commercial at the Super Bowl that they reignited Wayne's World for a Super Bowl commercial. You know, Wayne and Garth or in the basement again. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: I, uh, you know, I must have missed that one because I, I shut the game off at half because I just knew I knew where that one was going. Brady was just on fire. Yes, he was. And there was, yeah, the defense too shut down Kansas City. So it was like I knew where that game was going. I didn't finish the second half.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it was a, it was a rough one for Kansas City and Kansas City fans. It, it, it certainly was and it's yeah. something that you don't really see very much as Mahomes not doing anything. I, I think it was the third quarter by the time he got 100 yards passing, if yeah. I'm correct on that.
1: Yeah. I, th- I Honestly, it's like I think back a couple of games when he got his bell rung pretty good, I, I think that was sitting in there. He, he, he looked nervous at times, rightfully so. I would have probably crumbled and fallen apart if I would have got hit that hard. <laughs> but, you know, it's, uh, yeah, understandably so. And uh, But that's not to say that he's, the, the Chiefs are not going to come back. In full force
0: next year. Uh, yeah, they're, they're going to be back next year. They're going to be healthier. You know, Mahomes—he yeah. was a little banged up, and and not to make ex- excuses or anything, but yeah. Um, sure. But but uh, you know, Kansas City is going to be a contender again next year, and it'll be uh, fun because it's it is fun. You know, Tom Brady's the goat, but Mahomes is fun yeah. to watch. He, he's just fun no. to watch when he's on. So yeah. So uh, today. And talk about top 1%, they're the greatest, the GOAT, you know, yeah. the the NFL players, they're, they're the top of the top of the game. We're going to talk to Scott Ingram today. Uh, he's the founder of Sales Success Media. He has a, a podcast uh, that, that just looks at the top 1% of performers, quota-carrying performers at different, different companies in, in all different types of industries. So he's, he's got the podcast He's got the, the books, you know, self-success stories. He's got a series of books that he's, he's published uh, looking at those top one percenters. So we're going to learn, we're, we're going to see what the top one percenters do. We're going to learn more about that with Scott Ingram coming up here in the next few minutes. Uh, but as always, let's uh, kick it off and thank our sponsor to begin with, right? Well, let's do that. And uh, thank you to our sponsor, Zimbles. You want to crush your numbers, so stop random prospecting. Zimbles can tell you who is spending on shipping and gets you those leads instantly, taking your sales process from a 95% failure rate to a 50% success rate. Go to startzimblescom slash free trial and sign up for a demo today. So once again, you can go to startzimblescom slash free trial for that. And also on Wednesday, we have FreightWaves has the Health and Pharma Supply Chain Summit coming up. It's a one-day full event. All about moving, distributing, procuring raw materials for pharmaceuticals and healthcare, and I think we're probably going to be talking about the vaccine quite a bit. So we have some some great guests lined up. Uh, the, the, the the president of Global Forward and Expedite from from XPO, uh, Katrina Liddell. Uh, I, I talked to her earlier or late last week uh, about vaccine distribution. So have uh, we, we have several several great segments focus solely on that. Do you ever get into pharmaceutical yeah. shipping whenever you're a broker?
1: I mean, I never personally did. I think that was, I I was actually uh, talking with Andrew Boyle, Boyle Transportation, for a past episode of my podcast there. And yeah, it's, you know, it's a different, it's a different ball game. It, it really is. And it's great to, you know, but I, I think like you can take those principles though, and apply them to your freight that you have, because, you know, it's like, they just take it to the next level. There's a, you know, that, that high visibility, I mean, legitimate life or death style situations. Now, granted, that's not the same for all styles of freight, but I think like if you take that and, you know, improve your SOPs and everything, it's only going to, your customers going to win and that's who should be positioned to win when you're in sales, in my opinion.
0: Out. Yeah, yeah. If you move all freight like you do pharmaceuticals, uh, you, you're going to do very well. Uh, yeah. we, we did a research project on that this last year, just about the visibility of the delicacy of all the materials, right? And we see that with vaccine where it has to be stored at negative 90 something degrees, right? I mean, and if it varies too much from that for a certain length of time, it spoils and you throw it out. So you have that, you have the high value, uh, you have other counterfeiting Type of of issues that that you can run into if you don't have your SOPs in, in place and or very strict and, and guidelines. You have the security uh, personnel that that sometimes will will follow you around or follow the, the shipment around, um, and it, it's just a very complicated, uh, commodity to move. Yeah,
1: no, it, exactly as it should be. You know, like you can't just like that's not something that I think. I think we can all agree that's not something we want on a, uh, an open load board, you know, like uh, 40,000 pounds of pharmaceuticals coming your way. Like that, that's not the, what we can have out there. And, you know, so it is, it's like, you can learn from that though. You can learn from that and apply that to your every day, I think. And, mm-hmm. you know, like the, in the, taking those added steps, because in my opinion, every shipment should be just as important, you know, like whether it's bales of trash or life-saving pharmaceuticals, you should treat it the same because you are providing a service to somebody it's not your right like you didn't just wake up one day and then you like you just get all of this freight you know like you have to earn it and if you worked hard enough to earn it continue to grow with it you know
0: mm-hmm. yeah, yeah you're you're exactly right with that um well let's go on to our sales hot tip of, of the week and, and this comes from a couple conversations i had last week where um where people had called me and pitched me their products and you know you know Chris, you know, there's salespeople that they, they talk for half an hour without taking a breath. They, yeah. It's not like you're, you're not even there. And someone called me and I was somewhat interested in the product. I, I, was, I wanted to get more information. Um, by the time, 10 minutes into it, I hadn't got a chance to ask any questions or clarify anything. I, I was completely confused. Didn't really slow them down. I asked a question finally. And though they did answer, and just went like a rocket uh, for the next 20 minutes, and yeah. I, I just couldn't get off the, I, I was ready to get off the phone. I couldn't wait to get off the phone. I actually put it down for a little bit. Uh, I was downstairs with Andrew Cox, and he was laughing at me um, because <laughs> I, I'm just sitting there on the phone. I, there's not much I uh huh uh huh, and, and trying to talk and uh, just being talked over. So, you know, oftentimes the, the customer will tell you exactly what you want. Just shut up and listen. Let them tell I you mean, what they want.
1: That That is what you guys should put on a T-shirt right there. Set up a mess <laughs> Because, it, I mean, it's true though. And it's like, I think that even when they, like say they, you know, it's a no today, but they'll tell you, they'll tell you how they want you to come back, you know, and how they want you to continue to be there. Because I think like, it's always just a, a matter of when, you know, it's always a matter of mm-hmm. when your product or service will be of need. And you need to listen. You need to listen to what they're saying because you can stay present in front of your prospects without continuously pitching, you know, and you can add value to them because if your product or service truly solves a problem, there's a ton of information out there that your uh, prospects need. So provide that information to them, help them better understand it, not just continue to talk and talk and talk and talk.
0: Yeah. And then this was an entrepreneur. So I I, I get that, you know, I understand you're super excited about your product. It's, you know, it's complicated. It's hard to navigate that. But take a breath, let people catch up to you because you work in, you know, the freight coach, right? You work in the freight yeah. coach. What you're doing, immersed 24-7. People that you talk to outside of that are starting from square one. And it's, it's one of those great talents is, is to, to, beat the curse of knowledge, right? to beat the curse of knowledge. To beat the curse of knowledge, to be able to, to sit down and explain things Question and answer is very important. And to be able to explain very high level things that you know really well at a very simple, you know, first grade or square one type of level.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I get it. I have everything on the line, like especially as an entrepreneur and a startup, I Mm -hmm. have everything on the line too, you know? So it's like, if this doesn't work out, I'm, you know, I got some tough decisions I got to make. But, you know, it's like, you need to hear the truth though. And I think like, that's the, the best piece of advice I think I ever got in sales in general is that feedback, even though it might be critical and not what you want to hear, you need to hear it because otherwise you're going to continue down that path of thinking that it's all right to talk over your prospect for 30 minutes and then nothing's accomplished. And then you just lost a customer for life at that point, essentially.
0: I essentially did. And and so, so you're getting your business up off the ground is, is consulting yeah. Right. If you listen, people will tell you exactly what they want to purchase from you. And it might not be something that you have or that you've designed right now. You know, it's a service, it's consulting. So you have some leeways to, to design what people are looking to, to, to buy. And it kind of goes back to, you know, what's, what's more important, the, the product first or the audience first. If you have the audience first, you get the feedback from the audience and maybe you don't even have a product but but if you have yeah. a following, audience, email subscriber base, uh, you know, sending out free information, people will tell you exactly what they they need and what they can't find, and it's then mm-hmm. very easy to go in, and design something that people will buy. No,
1: definitely, and I think that you can take that, and even if your product or service offering doesn't uh, doesn't achieve what your prospects are looking for, and you can put them in contact with somebody who does actually do that and help them, they're going to remember you. They're going to buy from you in the future. This is a long-term play, and like you have to look at it through a 12-year lens, essentially, not a 12-second lens. Because the problem with fast money is it comes fast and it goes fast, and you know you have to be invested in this process. That that because that's what it is. And especially when you're a service provider, regardless of what industry you're in, your job is to provide solutions. It's not always going to be your solution and your product, but know people who. It does balance it out, and you can you can toss business your way because guess what? There's another advocate for you on the street. All right, there's another person who's going to be like, yeah, you know what? Our stuff doesn't work, but Chris Jolly, his stuff does work for you. I'm going to put you in contact with him. It's all about building that network up.
0: It it is, you know, it's all about building that network up. And if you're selling to shippers right now, it's very complex. You know, freight sales is very complex. Each shipper is different. They have their own needs. They have their own distribution networks. Their own manufacturing process. They're all distribution you know everything is is different and it's a very complex cell so if you just keep your mouth shut a little bit that's a good question here and there find out exactly what they need because it's going to be pretty highly custom or custom customizable for for each yeah. situation so if you can you can design a package that that works for both your company and your prospect or your customer. Then you know that's a win-win, and, and and things are going to you know deals are going to get closed.
1: Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. That's what, that's what you got to do every day.
0: <laughs> it is, it is. So Chris Seed says uh, no salesperson ever listen themselves out of a cell. That's a very good point. You can't listen yourself out of a cell. Can't. Brian Ritchie right. says Amen to that. Chris Seed's Rhonda's here. Yeah, that approach can save both parties time. Back and forth conversation is the key. Everyone loves back and forth. No one likes someone who goes off for 20 minutes and just, just talks, you know. So Phil Corbeth is here. So hello to, to everybody out there. Uh, let's go to, to marketing. And this is from, you know, a, a, a co-host here. At Put the coffee down every once in a while. Wife yeah. Brumleaf from Brumleaf Hi. Brands Digital Dispatch, Freight School Playbook. Uh, she had tweeted out this, this weekend, you know, since I guess the Jaguars aren't playing in the Super Bowl, you know, surprise, surprise. Uh, <laughs> so she says, hold up. We got some people out there thinking sending a calendar link is bad etiquette. I personally hate the back and forth of what daytime works for you. Emails. I think we've all been there. Send me a link so I can just instantly book an appointment that works for both of us. What are your thoughts on that, Chris Jelly? So this is
1: I I go back and forth on this because I feel like if I'm if I'm selling to you, Kevin, I have to be open to your time. So it is like I need Mm -hmm. to establish I need to be putting my foot forward to establish that time. Now, if you reached out to me, though, and then you know what? You might have this opinion and it is easier for you to be like, hey, just yes, I like what you're saying. Choose a time. But I I don't know. Like, I think it's almost off putting on the first point of contact to be like, hey, uh, this is my product. Everything's cool book a time to talk with me here, go, go take this calendar link and book a time to talk. But I also, you know, that's like, I'm trying to play on both sides because I see the value of it too. Because like with Blythe, what she says is true. I don't like the back and forth dialogue. And it's like, if I do, you know, read what you, you've sent me where we've talked on the phone and there's some form of contact there. And you're like, Hey, can I send you my calendar? And then you choose a time. All right. That's one thing in my opinion, but it's like, there is that fine line of are you just pushing it too much
0: you know i i think there is that fine line but whether you're sending a calendar invite or you're saying hey let, let's jump on a call or let's jump on a call it is still the same technique right whether it's yeah. an invite or I guess manual, I don't know what you call it, but the old school type of, of back and forth. I mean, it's still, there's a polite yeah. way to do both of those and there's an optimal way to, to either do an invite or suggest some times. But the, the back and forth, you know, I, I've lost a lot of prospects. Um, you lose their attention if you can't book a meeting, right? If you can't book yeah. a meeting and you're going back and forth and, and, and they lose their attention, you lose their attention Uh, I've lost enough of those to to say, I'm just going to send you my invite. And I think over the years, I think right now, certainly after 2020, maybe I I blame everything on 2020 um, or use that for my trends uh, of everything in sales, is that just send the the invite. I I think I'd rather get an invite because I I just want to go in and see when I'm free and when they're free. And just book it right there. I don't want to go back and forth. I, I get too many yeah. emails and Slack messages and LinkedIn messages every day, to uh, to, to create four or five more just to, to pick out a time. Just send me your link. I'll send you my link. Um, I, I have noticed that that corporate America, a lot of freight brokers just they that they don't like that or they don't purchase Calendly. And there's other services out there, but I, I'm familiar with Calendly. It's ten dollars a month. You know, it makes you more productive. It's easy to see an ROI on there. Yeah.
1: No, I mean, I, I definitely see both sides of it. it I, I really do because I don't want to go back and forth either. But, you know, I guess it's like it, you got to learn to know your audience at that point, you know, and maybe, I don't know. I don't know if there's a secret sauce of throwing out a feeler to see if they'd be okay with that, because I do see how some people could get offended by that, where it's like, what, I'm just supposed to block out a time of my day to talk to you because you were so gracious to send me this email. I don't know. You know, I can see both sides. I can see the old school way of thinking about it, too.
0: Well, you know, I mean, you're, you're blocking out time no matter what. This is an easier yeah. way to block out time. I mean, you're not really blocking. I, I'm saying, hey, this is when I'm free. Just pick a time that, that works for you, and we'll jump on the phone. Yeah,
1: uh, I, I, I agree with that one, too, though. I guess I'm trying to play devil's advocate as much as possible here. I, I Like I said, I see <laughs> both sides of the fence, and I like I like both because it is extremely efficient. Hey, you know what? Let's have it and send it out there and do something. But I don't know. I guess it's like my, my gut tells me this, Kevin, if I, I want to engage with you a little bit first before I send that, because it's like, I want to, I guess, feel it out to see if it's even going to be a fit. You well, know, yeah. like what if, what if this other, what if this person on the other end is just not somebody who I would want to deal with? And then you're like five minute, like, 30 minutes into a cold call the other day <laughs> mm-hmm. and you're like, ah, oh, this was a giant waste of time. I don't know. There's no perfect solution here. I see both sides of it, but I, I personally, me speaking, I want to try and engage with them a little bit first before I start trying to set up a time to talk. with.
0: Them. Okay. Well, you know, and that, that's fair. That, that's fair. You know, yeah. I, I can see that point where you want to engage, make sure it's worth your time to just set that up. So maybe not just the first contact contact, throw yes. out, uh, invite, whether it's a link or saying, hey, you know, does it make sense for to, to set up a call, right? So yep. the old school way or the link, maybe that is uh, a little bit too direct sometimes. I will say this. Uh, so if there's something like Calendly, maybe it's something else that's a few dollars here, a few dollars there, your company doesn't want to expense it, is it worth if it's really going to make you productive, if you think you can close sales with it, should you just pay for it out of your own pocket and say the heck with it? I don't know.
1: I don't think you should. If you're working for somebody else, I don't think you should incur any expenses of your own while working for somebody else. You know, like I've, I've done that. You know, where it's like I thought I was doing people a favor by just paying for it out of my own pocket, and then I like I lost money out of the deal, and there was no way of recouping it. So it's like, I I feel like if you're, I don't know if I, I would never want one of my employees or team members to pay for anything that I could benefit from as a business, whether it's something as small as a $10 a month calendar in calendly, calendly, uh, subscription or not as a business owner, I would never want them to incur any additional expenses. That's on me. If they come to me, and they're like, "Hey, I want to try this out." I guess I'm just more open to it, like because mm-hmm. if it makes us more productive and profitable, by all means, I'll spend the money because it's an investment. It's a constant investment when you when
0: you're running your own operation. Every dollar you have is an investment at that point. It, it is every dollar you have is an investment at that point. And, and I, you know, as a as a business owner too, I wouldn't want any of my employees incurring costs yeah. for for things that make them more productive. But you know what? There are other businesses out there who. Don't take that high-level view that Chris Jolly and I do, right? True. So, Very if true. you have a tool, fifty bucks, you can. You're saying, man, if I just pay pay for this out of my own pocket, fifty bucks a month, I can make a thousand dollars more in commission. Would you do
1: it? I'm every day of the week. I personally yeah, I know, right? would, but you know, I. I but I, I think at, again, you know, it's not at the expense of anybody else. You know, well, it's like, yeah. your decision. You know. And I, I mean, cause it's like, yeah, I don't know. I guess I've always been fortunate where like the companies that I've worked for, they've shared that mentality that I had too. They're like, no, 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 no. You can't pay for any, I want you to expense absolutely everything. Even if it's a $2 bottle of water at the airport, you're expensing that $2 bottle of water, you know? So I don't know. I guess I, I don't have the best uh, judgment on this one, Kevin, because I've, <laughs> I've never brought an expense report to somebody. And they're like, we're not paying that $4.99 monthly
0: subscription. Well, I know. You know, there's, there's some. You know, when I was a freight broker and, and an employee, I, I would be, I would have, have that attitude, Chris. I would be like, well, I'm not paying yeah. for it. You know, I'm not paying for anything out of my pocket. But, but since I, I started my own business, and it's just like, and if it's going to make me money, I, I'm going to go do it. You know, I'll pay for it. Doesn't really matter. You know, and Bonnie, Bonnie Scott's a founder here on LinkedIn. Yes, you should. I paid for an app that planned my routes for me when I, I worked for Daylight. It was so worth it, you know. If it's going to make your life easier, if it's going to make you pro- more productive, and, and certainly if it's going to mean, you know, if you can make $1,000 more a month in commission, if you got yeah. something for 50 bucks, why wouldn't you? It might not it's be like fair. Is, it might not be fair, just... but Yeah. <laughs> Just slipping in
1: as a dinner expense, but there you, you make up your 50 bucks somewhere. No, I'm, just kidding. I'm kidding. Don't listen to that. Don't listen to that and actually do that.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. So, yeah, so uh, Scott is in. So, so that's good. We, we will bring Scott up right now then. Well, let's jump in and, and, and see what Scott thinks of that first and foremost. If, if yeah. you'd had a chance to, to listen beforehand, Scott.
2: I did. Am I on?
0: You are. Yes, you are on.
2: Beautiful. I, sh- I showed up with my cup of coffee in hand, so I can put this down, right?
0: <laughs> yes, you got to put that <laughs> coffee down because coffee is for closers only, right? <laughs>
2: <laughs> awesome. So I, I've got a couple of thoughts on all that stuff, right? So I think with when it comes to the the calendar scheduling type stuff, y- you just have to try it, right, and see if it fits in. See what type of response that you get. See if if that resonates. I'm am a fan. I'm not a. I don't enjoy the back and forth really on either end, right? As a as a prospector or a prospectee, uh, let you know. Let's just get this on the calendar, and, and I'm happy to control my own schedule and just look at, at a calendar and, and grab a link. And you know, hopefully, your company is willing to invest in you and the tools that you need to be successful. But you know, sometimes you have to take the bull by the horns and invest in yourself and, and try out these tools and see if it's going to work for you. So I, every day of the week, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try something and invest in myself. If my company is not willing to do it, if I think it's going to make a difference for me.
0: Thank you, Scott. Uh, definitely. So, so let me introduce Scott. Uh, Scott Ingram. He's the founder of Sales Success Media. He's also the the, the host of the Sell Success Stories and Inspired Marketing podcasts, and a publisher of a series of sales success books. So, there's multiples of those, aren't there, Scott?
2: There are a couple. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and do you hold down a day job, too? Because on LinkedIn, it says that you're also the account director for Relationship One. Is that another one of your businesses or is is that what we'd call a day no, job? No, that
2: is that is my day job. So all the podcasts and the books and, and the event, the, the Sales Success Summit that we do every October here in Austin. That is one giant side hustle. Uh, during the day, I carry a multi million dollar quota for a professional services company.
0: That's so fantastic. I, I forgot about the events, too. So you, you have a complete media company with, with events, publishing, podcasting, and a day job. There's, all of the above. And a family. And a family.
1: <laughs> and some people say they don't have enough time in the day. Listen to that. There's
2: always enough time. Yeah. I know. You just got to have a process to manage it all.
0: So, so Scott, how did you get into your, your media business? Uh, what, what kind of incentivized you or, or drove you to, to, to create this?
2: So I have always been a student of sales. I've always consumed a lot of books and webinars and podcasts and and other content. And the, the thing I realized a number of years ago as I got ready to start this show is so much of this content is coming from people who haven't carried a quota themselves in years and sometimes decades. And you know the world continues to change you know 5 years ago we didn't have calendar scheduling links we didn't need to have this this conversation because that wasn't a thing so i wanted to hear from the folks who were having the best results who were at the the very top of their game the top performers in in companies so sales success stories i only interview active individual contributor, quota-carrying professionals who are either the outright number one top performers in their companies, or I joke, I'm willing to settle for the top 1%. So when I find somebody who's number three on a team of 800 at Microsoft, we'll call that good enough. And we'll bring them on the show because I just wanted that additional perspective of the people that are in the trenches right now to understand what's working for them. What are they doing to find extraordinary levels of success? And they're gonna go back to that job during the day and not try and sell me a keynote speech or their training program or anything else like that. So it was just a different voice that I felt like was missing uh in the marketplace at the time.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I love that. I, I think that you you need to hear those different perspectives. Along those lines, because I I just think that let let me ask you this, Scott, is there one common trait amongst them all that they all share? Or is this something that they're it's just so individual that, you know, they all because like what works for me might not work for you and so on and so forth. So is there something that kind of, you know, connects them all you think or is it that's not possible? They're, They're all so unique in their own right.
2: So yes and yes, but more the latter. Right. So okay. I, I think I think there are some common underlying things around their mindset and the level of discipline and, and the uh, the overall mentality they have around this. and And a lot of that is just, you know, this is a profession. This is a craft. This is something you have to work at to get great at. But how they're getting there. Stylistically, they're all over the place. You know, I've talked to a lot of folks who lean much more towards introversion and and aren't the stereotypical. You know, I'm I'm an extraordinary extrovert and I'm the life of the party and that type of thing. There's a lot of people that do very very well in sales that are super thoughtful and and super internalized and strategic uh, around the things that they they do. And I think that is kind of the common trait. You know, the the very best have figured out what is it about them that is unique? What are their unique strengths? How can they take those things, develop those things, and just be themselves in their sales process? And that's what typically leads to greatness, right? You can't be somebody else. You can't do it somebody else's way. You've got to find your way. And I think that's ultimately the, the most common thread if if you will. But again, the, the nuance is all in those details and how each individual gets there.
0: That's really insightful, right? So so the, the one thing they really have in common is going identifying their strengths and perfecting those. Is that is that and, and and certainly not on your weaknesses, not dealing with your weaknesses maybe, but really focusing in on where they're strong, where they're different where they can compete and really running with that.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the whole game. I mean, and the weakness thing, I think you can go on both sides of that, right? It's some folks say that there's so much more opportunity in piling on to your strengths that you don't even need to worry about the weaknesses. The way I think about it, though, is sales is a team sport. You know, long gone are the days of the the lone wolf, right? You've got a, an entire, especially in B2B sales, right? You've got an entire team around you. I think you've got a lot of opportunities to be, you need to be aware of those weaknesses. You have to have a very high degree of self-awareness to understand what am I good at, where am I weak, and where do I maybe need help to shore some things up? And maybe I'm work with, working with my sales manager uh, to offload some of those things, or there's somebody else on my team uh, that, that can do that. Maybe, heck, you know, speaking of investing in yourself, I mean, I, I have a full-time virtual assistant. You know, maybe you're doing something like that that is going to make you that much more productive uh, and and just take things off of your plate that is not a good productive use of your selling time.
0: Yeah, I mean, time, time is the most valuable resource, right? So the, the the more you can strip out non-productive or non-revenue generating activities from your daily schedule, the, the more productive you're, you're certainly going to be. Uh, I have uh, Devin Corzin, supply chain innovator here. He says, Scott embodies the phrase, sleep is for the week, LOL. So... Uh, quite quite a busy guy. I I, I was over the weekend. I, I listened to your most recent podcast, and I can't remember who it was with, but I, I'm sure you can because it was with one of your sponsors. And you were talking about the the trends of video and sales, and it kind of reminds me of how I reached out to you a couple months ago. It was uh, LinkedIn, but it was a, a sales message or a video message that I had recorded, and I've, I've been experimenting with that more and more. And it was uh, it was a great discussion that you guys had. Um, can you kind of describe some of your thoughts and cells, or video yeah. cells?
2: Yeah, happy to. So that, that conversation was with Tyler Lassard, who's the VP of Marketing at Vidyard, who's been one of our great sponsors for for quite some time. And they have an incredible uh, video selling platform. And the beauty is they've got a Chrome, Chrome plugin. It's free. You can use it as much as you want. Uh, so a quick little short link for you. If you go to top1.fm, T-O-P, the number 1.fm forward slash V, that'll take you to that plugin where you can get it. And I'll equate it to, since that conversation uh, I celebrated a birthday last week. And my birthday experience, I think there's a lot that we can learn about prospecting and about what the experience is for the people that you're selling to on the other end when you look at what is it like when you have your birthday in the day of social media and and I joke i'm a I'm a conscientious Facebook objector, so I don't have to deal with it on Facebook. But my LinkedIn experience was I got something like three hundred messages. and Probably 90% of those just said, happy birthday, exclamation point, not happy birthday, Scott. They all looked 100% the same, completely undifferentiated, Mm -hmm. right? And I think that's the reality of most prospecting messages, completely undifferentiated. There's, There's nothing about this particular outreach message that tells me that you know who I am or what my role is or what my company does or anything right? This, this is completely generic. It works for anybody. Some people, you know, a handful of people would send funny gifts or, or they, they personalized the message a little bit more, right. And shared something, three people. So literally 1% sent me a video. And those are the ones I remember. I remember Elias. I I remember Margie, right? I I remember Jack. So it's this opportunity. I, I feel like the the bar to from a prospecting perspective, right? The bar to be in the top 10 to 20 percent of prospectors is 10 seconds of research. That's all it takes. And in a lot of cases, for the garbage that I get, in those 10 seconds of research, you would realize, oh, Scott's not my prospect. I don't even need to send him this message. <laughs> right. <laughs> because they have they didn't do the they didn't do their research. They didn't figure out who I am, what my role is, what I'm up to, right? It's all out there. We all put it on our LinkedIn profile, so taking that 10 seconds, but to really put yourself in that top 5%, that top 1% is just taking a little bit of initiative and really showing, hey, Kevin, I did my research. I just spent a couple of minutes on your LinkedIn profile, and I wanted to share this video with you and tell you about X, Y, and Z. That's, that's all it is. you know. And, and the beauty is I think everybody says, oh, but that doesn't scale. That's why it's so great, right? Because you know oh, this isn't some canned generic thing. Scott recorded this message for me. It's about me. I'm going to take the 30 seconds or a minute to watch this. And I'm very, very likely to reply because I appreciate that he at least put in the effort, even if I'm going to tell him to go pound sand.
1: Yeah. And I mean, that. Like that's the thing, though, is it's like even in freight brokerage, you know, where you got 50,000 people going after all the exact same accounts. It's like taking that 10 seconds to send a personalized message, although it seems so easy on the surface. So many individuals are so against it because it's, it's not, it's, it's different, you know, and it makes them feel a little bit uncomfortable because it's like, if you don't, if if you can't use this line and I think this is the overwhelming reason why most people don't, I don't like the way my voice sounds on video. Well, well, guess what? It sounds the exact same on the phone. You guys, like there's no (laughs) differentiating factors there. So it's like, you got to do it. And after a while, you're going to get comfortable with it. Like find the comfort in those little uncomfortable situations. It's going to help you push forward because you're right. 99% you said it best out of the 300 messages. And now now, to put that into a direct correlation to all the freight brokers that are out there, there's at least 50 people every day reaching out to your prospects as well. If you take 10 seconds to record yourself, just stating your name, introducing yourself something and like, it's not a complex message. You know, it's very like, it's a very basic thing, but that's different. They're going to remember you that way. Well, and different is the point,
2: because that's the alternative true. is what you sound like everybody else. There's no differentiation. You're like, well, that's not how I'm going to choose who to do business with. Like which one of these generic random messages, eeny, meeny, miny, mo here, you win. No, I'm going to I'm going to talk to the guy flushing. that took a, a little wheel. bit of effort, showed a little bit of initiative and looks like, hey, this guy actually gives a crud about me.
0: And when we say it's not scalable, it's not scalable for the amount of people that you go reach because it's customized. But once that video gets watched, it's shareable within that organization. So that part of it is scalable, much more scalable than trying to to reach out to to every single person.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say, like, don't, don't don't focus on like there, there's no perfect message that you can put out there. Like, just be you. Like, that's one thing I'm hearing you say a lot, Scott. Right now, is be you. You know. And it's like, do that, put together a message, make it quick to the point and just do it because that's better than you trying to rehearse it, over-rehearse it and trying to, it's just like the generic happy birthday, lazy, hit that, here's your auto response in LinkedIn to say happy birthday only. It's 10 times better than that. If you trip over your own words, lose a little bit of your train of thought, whatever that is, because it's you, we're all human beings. Remember that.
2: Yeah. I mean, be you is the game. And I encourage people don't overthink this. Don't script this. Just hit record. And if you flub and you trip over your words, it makes it that much more real because none of us are good at this. <laughs>
0: True. It really does. And it just takes practice. It just takes getting out there and doing it. I mean, I never did video until a couple of years ago. And Duna and I, we had some people doing video on our podcast last year and just just turning my phone around and putting something on LinkedIn made me a little bit nervous. You know, it, I was a little trepidatious about it. And, you know, I, we do this show on, on TV every week. So, uh, you know, if it's, a, if it's a little bit of a hurdle for me, it's, it's going to be a hurdle for a lot of people. But the, the, the best thing to do is just to do it and don't script it. Don't think about it. Uh, if you flub, no one cares. You know, yes. you'll still make sales if you're flubbing. You know, well, and, and you sales is
2: about... Sales is about doing uncomfortable things and it's a muscle that you can train. So if you're uncomfortable with the idea of doing this, it's probably more reason why you should do it to me. You know, when, when I get really nervous or I get fearful about doing something or I'm intimidated by a particular executive that I need to reach out to, that's usually a sign that I really need to do that thing.
1: Mm -hmm. Oh, I agree with that. And I mean, so like I put stuff out all the time on LinkedIn. I do daily videos and everything else. And I mean, I can hear it in my voice on the very first couple of ones that I've done. I was nervous, That's, but you know what? I'm a, like, again, I'm a human being. I I have emotions, you know, just like the rest, but you just got to keep pushing through with it at the end of the day. like, Because like the, the reality is, is either they like you or they don't, okay? So like what what is the 15 seconds going to cost you? It's not going to cost you anything. If anything, it's a 15 second investment to improve to when it does hit with the right audience, you're going to sound that much better. So
0: look at it that way. Flip it around a little bit. It's not a negative. There you go. Yeah, and uh, Krista Avery here. Uh, this is exactly what I've been working on, embedding a short video of me recapping some of the things I know about them and interest to, to learn more. So good job, uh, Krista, uh, You know, integrating video in. So Scott, we talked about personality traits of, of the top 1% or maybe you know, working on their strengths. Is there... You know, when you go through the sales process from prospecting to presentation or setting a meeting to follow up to, to, to closing, which one, are, which one of these in the process are the top 1%? You know, maybe the, the, the best at or focus on the most?
2: I, I don't know that there's one thing. I, I think there's there's maybe two things from an overarching perspective. One is focusing on that process, having a process that, that you follow. Because if you do have a consistent process that you're following, as you think about each of those components, as you think about each of those steps, every single place is an opportunity to improve, right? So if, if you're measuring and quantifying these things, now you can start to get a sense for, hey, you know what? I'm not doing a great job of get, I I'm doing a really good job on the front end. I'm getting meetings. I'm I'm getting maybe even second meetings after the demo. Things are following off for me. Or or I'm not converting enough of the proposals that I'm putting out there. Having that awareness and seeing that and going, oh, something, something's amiss here. That's, that's an opportunity for me to work on that. So, again, maybe I'm going to work with my manager. Maybe I'm going to find a mentor. Maybe I'm going to reach out to, to, I'm a huge fan of this. Nobody thinks about this. Turn your customers, turn your prospects into your mentors. Get super curious about them. Ask them. Say, hey, look, I am really just trying to get better at understanding this industry and People that are in your position, would you be willing to spend some time with me and, and just teach me? I just, I'd like to have some conversations and then run this stuff by them. Say here, here's what I'm doing. Here's how I'm positioning this. Does that resonate for you? Or if you were in my shoes, would you describe that differently? Nobody does this stuff, but it's, it's easy. Right. And it it builds incredible relationships. You just have to be humble and say, admit, I don't know everything, right? I'm still trying to figure this out, but I'm trying to get better. I'm trying to understand you and be able to serve you better. Would you be willing to help me with that? And maybe it's it's a customer that you've worked with a few times and you want to start there. It doesn't need to be a, a pure play prospect. Um, but just powerful, powerful stuff if if you'll be brave and, and reach out and ask for the help.
1: Yeah, no, I I I agree. And Like so that that's one thing that I work with a lot and my clients on is it's like, you know what, like trying to just engage a little bit more, you know, like when you're faced with an objection. And you know what, whatever. If it doesn't work out, ask them, ask the why a little bit, ask to like help you improve because you know what, we just because they're not going to work out as our prospect, for example, we can take what they tell us and bring it back to our current customer base and improve our relations that way. Because you know what, you do need to hear the hard truth sometimes. You do need to hear what's not working, and you need to implement that and change. You know, at the end of the day, because it's like if your pitch has fallen short, it's not the it, it's not the prospect, you guys, it's you. All right. And you have to accept that and you have to make the necessary changes to move forward. Otherwise, you're probably going to be out of a job or having some very difficult conversations with your leadership at that time.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, and the objection thing in particular, I, I'm not a big fan of the concept of objection handling. Right. I, I think that you'll be much, much better served if you think of it as objection understanding right? You get an objection, ask questions. Your goal is there's something, what's underlying that? Why do they think that? Why is that a concern? Just ask why a bunch of times, and then you're going to really get somewhere and they're going to feel heard. Like how, how annoying is it to say, you know, to, to put up an objection to have to somebody and then just come right back at you. Right. And, and like, no, here's why that doesn't matter. Wait, you're saying what I think doesn't matter. That, that's that's not working for me. Right. But if instead you're really working to understand them, now we build real relationship. Now we build some trust. Now we start to get to the bottom of, oh, I understand what you're asking. Well, what about this? Or could we solve that that way? And now it becomes we're collaborating. We're working together to solve your process process and, and not in this adversarial buyer seller relationship.
0: It's almost like a consultant uh, relationship whenever it gets to, to collaboration. And it feels more like you're, you're a consultant rather than that um, buyer-seller type of persona. Uh, Nick Romer here uh, is, is blowing up the, the, the chat, uh, agreeing with everything we, we say up here right now. So, uh, Scott, okay. what part of the sales process is your favorite? Oh, that's a great question. Um,
2: I am... So the the last full interview that I did was was epic in length. It was something like 2 hours and 15 minutes and I interviewed a woman named Katie Jane Bailey and she had the greatest line ever. She said discovery is a lifestyle, not a stage. And to me that really resonates, right? Because discovery isn't that one time that you have that conversation and you ask questions it's all the time it's always right it's it's always asking questions and and working to understand and and understand what 's changed right because we don 't live in a static world. What you learned in the quote unquote discovery call two weeks ago, who knows what have might have changed between now and then, so for me, it is that that discovery lifestyle and just working to continue to understand to continue to collaborate. Through the, through the process. And I think if you do that, again, we come back to you build trust, you build great relationships. It makes the quote unquote closing that much easier.
1: I, I agree yeah. with like, I think that we think we win almost when you close a deal, for example. And like the way that I'm taking that is you should be in a constant pursuit of discovering with your customers. It just because they've agreed to do business with you doesn't mean they're a customer for life. It doesn't mean anything other than the fact that you need to continuously earn their business every single interaction that you have with them and never place a label of, oh, that's closed, we won, I'm done, give me my commission, on to the next one. I don't believe in that. You have, like, I love that line a lot. You should be in that constant pursuit of earning their business.
2: Well, and I don't even like the term closing, right? Because closing indicates like this is an end, we're finished. To me, yeah. closing, that's like the starter pistol went off. That's where the real relationship begins. Now, great, we signed a piece of paper. Now we have an opportunity to do actual work together. And if you're doing business well, that's that's just the first step. Now we've got to deliver on on what we said we were going to do and earn the right to have Access to more business and to earn the the right for them to introduce us to other people and and do reference calls for us and and become advocates for us. That's that's the game. This this whole idea of we're closed and you're done that is just so antiquated. It, it's not it, it's not the way that the the world works. Not the way it should work.
0: Yeah, you're proving yourself every single time, right? From from the first time you you contact somebody to the last day you do business, and then even beyond that, you're always proving yourself because it's not a static world. It is, it's always changing. And, you know, that the, the world's changing, their internal politics are changing, your internal politics, the economics of, of every deal. So, I mean, that, that's one of the, the, the lessons I learned, and one of the most valuable lessons is to always... You know, never take a yes for granted, you know, never take a no for granted, never take a yes for granted, because you're always continuously improving, even if they said, yeah, you agree, let's move forward. That next call, maybe it's a week later, maybe it's two weeks later, you, you kind of have to start that entire process over again to, to prove yourself, because you don't know what's, what's changed, you don't know if they remember every aspect of the deal, because you're going you're gonna to remember every everything that you said, but oftentimes the other people aren't. And you have to to re you know, go through discovery. You have to go through follow-up. You have to to just prove yourself over and over with every single conversation that, that you have with um whether it's prospect, customer, ex-customer, it doesn't really matter.
2: Yeah. I, I mean if you think about the the mindset and the frame of mind that you bring and the experience that you deliver to your customer when you're more focused on the end result, because that's what they're actually buying. Right. They're they're not buying the opportunity to sign a piece of paper or to to write you a check. Right. What they're buying is an outcome. And so if you stay focused on that outcome, it's just going to work better versus the only thing I ever ask you about. If discovery is is only about when and how you're going to sign a contract. You erode trust, right? Like, wait—is that all you care about? All you care about is—is is me doing this deal? You don't really actually care about my my getting this end result that you're promising me that you're actually going to be able to deliver. It's a complete—it's a complete change, and it's going to increase your closing rates dramatically because you're not as as focused on that. Of course, but it becomes part of the process. Look, in order for us to get you this end result this is the timeline that we need to manage towards. And this, at this point, this is when we need to have the agreement in place so that I can get my team in place and we can make all of these other things happen, right? That's, that's the way that that communication shifts. And, and at that point, the, the quote unquote close is, it's, it's just part of it, right? It's, it's, it's in some ways kind of anticlimactic in, for me, it takes a little bit of the fun out, but it's way more fun to be selling two and 300% of your quota than it is to be celebrating a, an occasional deal that you won.
1: So I got a question for you. What what's one thing? Because I know as, as a sales rep, you're going to deal with rejection a lot. What is one thing that you would suggest that anybody can do to kind of deal with the objection? Because I think like accepting the fact that you're going to get told no, the overwhelming majority of, uh, of the time. That's a tough pill to swallow for a lot of people, because then like they, they let to start thinking you know thinking it's personal, you know it's a personal attack against them so how like how could you help somebody navigate that? What would you suggest?
2: yeah, you know one of the conversations we've had a lot in in some recent episodes on sales success stories is th- this mindset of disconnecting yourself from outcomes and focusing on the process and focusing on the inputs and and this was really came through in some sales development rep conversations that I had where if you do all of the right things and you do them consistently usually the outcomes take care of themselves right and and so and not always the way that you thought they would. right? We, we can't predict which deals we're going to win and what we're going to lose and who's going to tell us no. But the more that you can focus on the process and be proud of the way that you're executing and feel good about, you know what, I made that dial, I did that outreach, and not worrying about what that individual outcome is. Because and, and the more that you do this, the more you'll understand kind of your ratios and your percentages and and just understand that, you know, 40 percent of people or whatever your percentage is, some number of people are going to tell me, no, some number of, of some percentage of those people are going to do it in a way that's probably going to make me feel bad. But you know what? It's just – it's part of the process, and the more that I'm willing to execute that process, the more that I'm going to win in the end. So I, I think it really comes down to that, and that gets you out of a lot of the peaks and valleys too, right? I see so many people in sales, and and I used to live this myself, so, right, this isn't I'm better than, than everybody. It is – you know oh my gosh i don't have enough pipeline and so i hustle and i work really hard to do a bunch of prospecting and get the good this good pipeline going and then i focus on the pipeline and i close a bunch of deals and i feel really good but then i don't have pipeline again and so you get in this peaks and valleys type of of scenario versus just consistent execution day in day out week in week out that really starts to smooth out that that curve and I can tell you your leadership is going to love it when you produce consistently rather than hey I hit a home run and then I struck out two months and then I hit a home run like even though the end result might be the same it's not going to feel the same it's not going to feel good you're not going to get rewarded for that
0: yeah it's, 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 you really have to, to to enjoy the process enjoy the process work the process be a lover of that process. is kind of like practice, right? You got to love practice. If you don't love the process, you're not going to like your day, day in and day out. And it's probably time to to find something else that where you love the process. And for, for different people, that's different things, but uh, you hit the nail on the head right there. It's, it's all all about executing that process. And as long as you do that, and improve where you need to improve, and be able to identify that. Then those peaks and valleys are gone, and it becomes a, a consistent, regular old thing of, of winning deals.
2: It's just discipline. <laughs> it's really what it comes down
0: to—just <laughs> discipline. So uh, you, you gave a little bit of advice there, but for we have a lot of listeners that are you know new to the freight industry, but also new to sales as well. So uh, people who uh, are just coming in, maybe their first sales job. What's the most important thing to to remember besides working the process?
2: You find the people who are doing it great and just do what they do, right? You know, find find that top performer in your organization and shadow them and dig into the details of what are you doing and just try and replicate that. I mean, this this isn't this isn't rocket science as as you get going. Uh, and, and, you know, it's something that I try and deliver at scale through sales success stories, right? There's lots of conversations that you can listen to from people at the top that are at the top of their game. And we really just get into how are they structuring their day? How are they attacking all of all of these things? I, I think we learn the most from each other. Uh, and that's that's the biggest opportunity to improve right there.
0: It is. It, it definitely is. We had um, I, we had uh, Rachel Heaps on a couple weeks ago, and she's uh, first time in, in freight, but has a sales background and says exactly how she did it in her former employment is going out and finding, and she told a great story about that going out and finding uh, the number one producer and learning what they do. You know, learning what they do, taking taking on personal responsibility for what goes right and what's good, and certainly what goes wrong uh, in, in, in sales, and just continuously improvement. Chris, yeah, give it.
1: A- yeah, yeah, no, no. I, I mean, I, I agree with that. Like, <laughs> I mean, you, you have to be in that constant pursuit of practicing. You know, it's like we Super Bowl was last night. As we you know, Tom Brady doesn't need to practice the cover three defense, you guys, at all. But he continuously goes through it because he's in that constant pursuit of achieving his goals and everything else. And you have to get comfortable in it, you know, like in, in dealing with objections. You accept the fact that you're going to f- face them. So practice them. Get comfortable with it so you can you can navigate through them more efficiently as opposed to just like, you know, hanging up the phone, you know, maximize our time with it.
0: So, Scott, before you leave us, uh, you, you've interviewed uh, scores, hundreds of top one percent performers. Uh, what, what are one or two that really stick out in your mind? You know, maybe some of the best stories.
2: Oh, there's, there's a lot of good ones. Honestly, the, the recent stuff, I, I you know, it's, it's always, I love the ones that, that just happened. The, so the conversation with Katie Jane Bailey and talking about what it means to be part of a world-class sales team. And so much of that conversation was great. Uh, tomorrow there will be an episode, uh, with Alex Brusky, and his story is amazing. He, he really, he found my podcast. We had a conversation in 2018. He'd just been fired. He was at the bottom, didn't know where to go. He calls me about two months ago and says, Scott, I don't know if you remember that conversation, I really dug into your show. Now I'm number one, uh, and not only is he number one, he's outselling entire teams of three and four people by himself. So you know, it's it's this stuff works. Um, and and there's there's just so much. Dig, dig in, find the stuff that that works for you, and uh, and kind of find your people and and what resonates. Thanks for having me, guys. I got to run.
0: Oh, you bet. You bet. Thanks. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, Scott. So Scott Ingram, self Success Media. And, you know, publisher of several books, we'll send one of those books out right now. Chris Jolly, can you give me a number between 1 and 137? Or 117, I
1: should say. Let's go with 94. Any of them. Any of
0: them. 94? 94. David Brown. So David Brown, one of the books that that, that Scott publishes. I'll send that out to you. I'll I'll tag you into the the recap of the show that, that we have right here coming up. Uh, fascinating conversation though. I always like, like yeah. learning from the best, you know? I mean, that's, that's why we like sports so much. I think is is watching <laughs> the best and you, know, we all, we all want to learn from the best and, and those people are out there. They're, they're everywhere. Every company has their number one salesperson. And you know, yeah. if you haven't met them, it's probably time to, to go introduce yourself.
1: No, I, I agree. And I think like, you know, like, you know, you do, you watch sports and everything else and they practice all the top performing individuals on this earth practice you know and like there's there's something like they don't just wake up and are that good that's earned
0: they love it right yes and then that's work in the process that's that's what it is you know if you don't like getting up and going to the driving range you're probably not gonna be a good golfer right you know you know if you don't want to go out and play practice uh put in all the hard work go through all the pains feel uncomfortable awkward all of that, you're not going to be a good golfer. And that kind of anything in life is, is the same thing. If you don't want to get on the phone, if you don't want to, to actually go out and make sales, if you don't want, if you're trepid, trepid, trepidatious about that, uh, if you don't want to get on video, right, you're probably not mm-hmm. going to, to, to get the benefits of doing that. Uh, it, it's all about just enjoying the process and, and working that.
1: Yeah, and I think like if there's one thing that scares you the most about the set, like whether it's video or what, do that one, do that one and just get, get rid of that, you know, because it's all subconscious. You're the only one who's afraid of putting it together, you know? And it's like, I mean, who who cares? You might not, you're not, you're not going to sound great. You know, you're not going to sound great right away. That's fine, but you have to practice it. You have to do what's different. Just like Scott was talking about 300 people reached out to him. He remembers three because what they did was different. So take that into consideration when you're going through this afternoon or tomorrow or the rest of the week, and you're going through your prospects, you know what? We all have the great technology in our head. We're all staring at our phone all day. Anyways, yeah. take a 10 second clip on there. Even if it's start, start small. If you have to introduce yourself. Hi, Mr. Or Mrs. So-and-so. My name is Chris Jolly. I'm the founder of C Jolly Freight Consulting LLC. I wanted to introduce myself. Like at the end of the day, you guys, either they remember you or they don't. And that that's it. So.
0: All right, so so Nick Romer, indeed Kevin Hill, don't reinvent the wheel, replicate a system that works, copy the past. You know I, I think we both agree with that. We have a few seconds here. Um, coming up, we have um, Wednesday, we have the, the Farmer and Healthcare uh, Supply Chain Summit, and then February 22nd through March 3rd, we have Global Supply Chain Week. Go to live.freightwaves.com to learn more about both of these events, and then to download, put that coffee down. You can find it on TV tv.freightwaves.com, or LinkedIn, of course, right here live, on demand, on the video side, on the podcasting side, uh, FreightCast, or wherever you download your uh, podcast. You can find it on Put That Coffee Down or FreightCast. Subscribe to FreightCast. You get all of our library of, of, of podcasts with, with Dooner. So go ahead and go download that right now. And we're wrapping up the show right here. See you guys next week. I got friends only wanna talk business. I got expensive, to win is I got expensive, the win. Landings-